0: I'm glad that you joined us for the Reaching Forward podcast. We're just going to jump right into Galatians chapter 4. We've been dealing with Paul's letter to the churches in the region of Galatia in dealing with a vision of freedom, a vision of freedom in Christ. And we're going to look at chapter 4, which really has kind of a theme of going back. These Galatians needed to go back to the freedom that they had in Christ. And, you know, I told my doctor that I broke my arm in two places. And he said, stay out of those two places. What do you call a dog with no legs? It really doesn't matter, right? That dog is not coming. Well, how about what do you call a boomerang that will not come back to you when you throw it? A stick. Well, we're dealing with going back to freedom, going back, and let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would touch our hearts, in this, sir, in this time of learning your word. And in Galatians chapter 4, we'd find a place that it would stay, a place where we would remember its lessons and its blessings in Jesus' name. Verses 1 to 7. There are 31 verses in this chapter. Verses 1 to 7 go back to redemption. So let's look at, let's just jump right in. Verse 1, now I say, That the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. The elements is not referring to earth, wind, and fire. It also doesn't refer to the music group. The elements, your kids go, after kindergarten, they go to first grade, second grade, it's called elementary school. There they learn the basics. And here, when you have an heir, as long as that heir is a child, if they grow up, say they're Bill Gates' child, Jeff Bezos' child, they are uh, an heir over all of these things, all this money. But they don't get to utilize it yet they have to grow up and the uh comparison here is that the law in children we were in bondage to this law these rules and regulations of the law and they served a purpose in time until verse 4. There comes a time when that child comes, quote-unquote, of age. And it's probably different in different cultures. But in verse 4 to 5, we see, but when the fullness of time was come, the law had a purpose, but it pointed to Christ. He was, as John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the, the sin of the world. He recognized the coming of age, if you please. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law. It's interesting, when the fullness of time was come, and it really was a special time, it was called Pax Romana, right? And the word Pax means peace, it was the Roman peace. It was a time when Rome, with its great army and its, its very stable government, And its awesome road system had put down a lot of the the street robbers and different things, and they had order in society, and it provided a place where the gospel could freely travel. It was like internet of the old days, right? Internet with sandal internet. And so Paul, being a Roman citizen, could travel and spread this gospel all over the uh, civilized world at the time. That was the fullness of time that God chose to put his son, where there's all these languages, uh, the language uh, of, was, was understood by a vast audience. God sent forth his son, the Bible says, made of a woman. Well, all kids are made of a woman, right? You're made of a woman. I'm made of a woman. But notice that, that Jesus was born of a virgin. He wasn't made of a man. Joseph was not his father, but his father was the heavenly father. The Holy Ghost came upon a virgin, and she conceived, so he was made of a woman. If he was of the lineage of Adam, he could not have redeemed us, because he would have the same sin nature as fallen man. But Jesus was made of a woman. And then here he was. He was made under the law. Jesus was the only one who was made under the law of Moses, and entered into the law of Moses that kept the law. He was made sinless, and he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh without sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh by living a pure life without one sin. And when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He accomplished the law, and he ended it. The Bible says, verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, to buy us back. That we might receive the adoption of sons. If you're a Jewish boy, you have, when you're a, a young teen, you have what's called a bar mitzvah. And it's a ceremony, but it really is a title of who you are. Bar means son, and mitzvah means the commandment or the law. You become a son of the law. A daughter is a bat Mitzvah. She becomes a daughter of the law. And it's begun to refer to the ceremony, but it really refers to the person. They become accountable for their actions under the law of Moses. Jesus came to redeem us from the law of Moses. You know, we have a practice in the South of calling people auntie, uncle, cousin, When they, in fact, are nothing of the sort. They're not related at all to us. They're close friends, and close friends, and it's kind of a term of endearment. That's my uncle. How are you related? We're not. But Jesus came to redeem us from being a son or daughter of the law to buy us back, and verse 6 and because ye are sons. To make us children. God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, which means Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. God doesn't have any grandkids, just kids. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And John chapter 1, or first John chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we shall, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, and we shall see Him as He is. First John, John chapter three and verse three, some people think, well, if I'm not under the law, I can just do whatever I want. Well, when you become a son of God, you want to act like the family. First John chapter three and verse three, and every man that hath this hope in him. Purifieth himself even as he is pure. God changes our hearts. We want to do right. Shall we sin because we're not under the law? Paul said, God forbid. Verses 8 to 20. So verses 1 to 7 go back to redemption. Verses 8 to 20, Paul 8 to 20, Paul calls these church, the churches in Galatia, to go really go back to Christ. You know, so many times that's what we need. Just go back to Christ. You know, you go to church and even read your Bible and all those things are good. But we can't lean on those things. We need to lean on Jesus. Go back to Christ. Give your heart back to Christ. Bring your family back to Christ. Start living uh, in your heart for Christ. Verse 8, How be it then, when you knew not God... Ye did service unto them which are by nature no gods. But now, after ye have, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, ye turn again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years? I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain." Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. You have not injured me at all. Now, it's interesting. The The apostle said, you've, you've, you didn't know God, and then you got saved. And then you kind of went back to observing the Sabbath and observing the feast and leaning on that for your righteousness. And then notice what he says. He said, brethren, in verse 12, I'm not mad at you. You know, a lot of people don't come back to, to church because they think the pastor's mad at them. Let me tell you, if I'm your pastor, I'm not mad at you. You know what? My my wife and daughter sometimes think I'm mad. My daughter thinks I'm mad because I have a preacher voice and I raise my voice or lift my voice. I'm not mad. I'm a Christian. You know, that the devil will lie and say, well, those church people hate you. They don't hate you. Sometimes God gets on our case and we blame the preacher because he brought it out, but you know what? Preachers love people. And Paul said, I love you. He said, you haven't done anything wrong to me. He said, you know, in verse 13, how through the infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first. He said, I was there first. I tell my to my daughter. I love you first, before that boyfriend, right? (laughs) And my temptation, which was in my flesh, she despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God. Even as Christ Jesus, there was a great respect given to the Apostle Paul when he first pioneered these churches. And he says, Where is, is then the blessedness that ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Now that's a, a term of great affection. Now in America we'd say, I'd give my right arm for you. Or I'd lay my life down for you. I'd pluck my eyes out for you. That was a statement of great affection. Paul said, you used to really love me. And in verse 16, am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. You know, it's sometimes when a pastor gets on someone, they kind of get on someone's case, and maybe they don't even know it. And they get mad at the pastor because the pastor says something that maybe they're all kind of wrapped up in, but you know that God loves us and we have to preach or speak the truth in love. If someone really loves you, they're going to tell you the truth. I'm thankful for all the pastors I've had that tell me the truth. In fact, I kind of go to church sometimes and I'm kind of, if I'm not preaching, I'm kind of looking at myself and I'm very thankful if a pastor has brought something else out that I need to hear and i'm thankful for conferences i i search my heart when i go to a conference i want to make sure that uh if something is said i don't deny it or push it away because i know it's for my benefit i know these pastors want me to be blessed but blessed in truth as john said that i'm good i'm glad to hear it. when your children are walking in truth verse 17 they zealously affect you but not well yea they would exclude you that ye might affect them. These teachers were not seeking to tell the Galatians the truth. They were trying to get into their good graces, right? So that they could draw the Galatians into their wrong opinions. You ever have someone try to be your friend, but they're just trying to influence you to their way of doing things or influence you against someone else that you previously had a friendship with? That's what they were doing in this case. And, and and now Paul said, it's good to be zealous in verse 18. It's good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you. I remember going with my pastor before I had gone to Bible school to visit someone who had come to church. And when we visited him, it was in the Marine Corps. We uh, He opened the door or someone opened the door to his room. He was reading his Bible. And I remember my pastor said, you don't know how good that makes me feel. Something like that it's good to be fired up and correct things even when the pastor is not there. You know, it's a blessing. And if I come visit someone and they're reading the Bible or they interrupted their prayer meeting, praise God. You know, or say, oh, I'm just praying for you or I was just witnessing about Jesus Christ or I was just doing something right. Man, Be zealously affected in the right thing. If you go to our church, just because we have the coronavirus going on, man, if you see someone at Walmart, invite them to church at a socially acceptable distance. Love your neighbor at a socially acceptable distance. You get that key, right? The socially acceptable distance. But even when we're apart, let's be together. Let's be together in prayer. Let's be together in our love for one another. Let's be zealously affected always. In a good thing, the Bible said it's good. And that's from the Holy Ghost, not just Paul. Verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Notice this. These people, Paul is basically saying, I don't think you're saved. You need to be born again. You have left God. Now, I know you're only born again once, but you come back to God. He said, you need to come back to God he said basically i need to have you as a baby because you're dead you need to come alive again he said in verse 20 i desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for i stand in doubt of you notice he's saying "Ah, you know make me wrong tell me that i'm wrong he said because your actions have you ever heard that someone says i can't hear you because your actions are louder than your words Paul's saying, your actions are louder than your words. I stand in doubt of your salvation. Go back, Paul says, go back to Christ. You know, I'm thankful we can do that. You ever get messed up? Go back to Christ. Verse 21 to 31, go back to the new covenant, the new agreement, the new testament. Our church is called New Testament. Christian church. That New Testament is in Christ's blood that he shed on the cross. That's the new covenant. And we have here verses 21 to 31. Let's just read it and then we'll talk about it, okay? Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written, and this goes back to Genesis. This account can be found in Genesis, that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. One was by uh, a servant, a lady he had named Hagar, and the other was by his wife named Sarah. She was the free woman. But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh. That means the natural way of birth, right? But he of the free woman was by promise because Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100 and they couldn't have kids naturally, right? But they could with the, the power of God and the miracle of God. Which things are an allegory? This means a symbolic representation, right? An extended simile. For these are the two covenants, right? So the Old Testament and New Testament. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children, meaning they're under the law. But Jerusalem, which is above, which is heavenly Jerusalem, which is where God lives, is free, which is the mother of us all. Verse 27, For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise we the spiritual, not the natural children of God. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Do you ever notice that? When you're a sinner going to church, everyone's your buddy. When you really get saved and you start serving God. Now, if I'm talking to you and you're a woman, if you start going to church And really getting serious with God and begin to dress modestly and begin to let your hair grow. Man, those people, they don't say, praise God, sister. They're like, hey, what are you doing all that for? What? Because that reality in God begins to show in your life. And people don't like that because it begins to preach to them. So they begin to persecute you and find fault with you. That's what Ishmael did with Isaac. He began to mock isaac and so what happened verse 30 nevertheless what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman so then brethren we are not children of the bondwoman but of the free Sarah represents this New Testament, the new covenant of promise, of miracle, of a miracle birth, right? The miracle birth of Christ and the miracle birth of those uh, new believers in him. Hagar represents the old way of doing things, works, the regular way of having kids, right? But the law of Moses, which is represented with Hagar and Ishmael, could not mix with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is represented by Sarah and Isaac. Now, they both came from Abraham. The Jews came from Abraham, but the Christians came by the faith, not the works of Abraham. And it's time for us to get a vision of freedom and go back to freedom in Christ. Uh, Lady, you're free in Christ. Gentlemen, you're free in Christ. Let's go back from verses 1 to 7. Let's go back to redemption. God bought you back. God bought you back. Let's go back to Christ. Verses 8 to 20. Go back to serving Him with a heart. Remember when you used to just serve Him with your heart? And there was such peace there. And let's go back. Let's go back to that new covenant. Not in works. That new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. That full cleaning In the blood of Jesus Christ. That inward satisfaction that doing works can't give you. That religion can't give you. That going to church can't give you. That only Christ can give you. On the inside. A vision of freedom. God bless you is our prayer. We love you. And God does too. Amen.